0: My text for this morning is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, if you'd go there with me, please. Last week we were together and I looked through 1 Peter and we looked at a few passages in 1 Peter having to do with the command to gird up the loins of your mind, tie up. It had to do, of course, with the, the dress of the day where if you had these long flowing gowns on, which they did to protect them from the Middle East sun... They would tie those up, cinch them up, make sure there's nothing that would hinder movement in case of some kind of conflict. And we said that God's word tells us to gird up the loins of our mind, to have a prepared mind, a ready mind. And that mind was to be prepared with the word of God. We spent some time looking at that. For example, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of God should be at home in you. It should be settled in you. You should not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Why? Because God's word settles the heart. Peter further said, along with Paul, of course, that we are to make sure that we are fixed, settled and fixed, almost like a first responder, a soldier, Paul said. If you recall, Paul said that endure hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A man on the front line somewhere, if he gets a scrape or cut, oh, I have a boo-boo, I can't fight. No, no, he's to look beyond that and look to the goal, the, the battle is before him. And so Paul is reminding that we are to endure hardness, he told Timothy further, to war, a good warfare. And so Peter now, in Second Peter, is encouraging the believers once again. Peter's letters are great letters of encouragement, though difficult though difficult for us to see and to hear and to fully integrate into our thinking peter lets us know that god's word is strong and we need to rely upon god's word for example in second peter chapter 1 peter encourages the believers to understand who they are in christ look at verse 1 if you would uh, of second peter 1 Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God our Savior. So those who have obtained like precious faith. We're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Believers in him. We believe his word. We believe what he has said. We believe he died on Calvary's cross uh, and in doing that, for our sin that is, in doing that we are partakers together. Look if you would with me please at verse 4. By which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. So we have the divine nature, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, locked on to what God says. The Spirit of God is Christocentric, always looking at the Word of God, always looking at what God says and who He is, and His purposes for you and I. And He's given us His Word, which is so important. Look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, and by which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of that divine nature. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Everything I need is contained in the word of God. That's so important to you and I. Everything I need is fixed right here. I don't need anything else. Oh, I need to learn some things. I need to figure out our Cable, television, I, I get that. But as far as what's really important in life, that's all I need to know. Why? Because I belong to him. He's in me. He dwells through me, works through me. And I want to make sure I'm pleasing to him. Why? Because <coughs> the exceedingly great and precious promise is I will be with him in glory forever. Now, having said that, let's go a little bit further, if you could, please. Uh, notice in verse, uh, again in verse 5. And besides this, give all diligence. What is Peter telling us? Though we have the divine nature, though you are a born again believer, you're not to remain a little baby. We had three children, uh, my wife and I. Uh, one, uh, we had four, actually. One went home to be with the Lord um, before he was delivered. Uh, but uh, we, we have children. And I just love them when they're little babies. Don't you? You just love them? Except when they're very noisy, then I would give them over to Nance. But you know the idea. I just love the little baby. Then when they grow, they get better and better and better and better all the time. It's wonderful. They talk and walk and squeak and and they say things. And I can still remember uh, directly these children growing. Wonderful. But you know, if they never got beyond two, something would be wrong. If if they never grew, if they never matured, if they never grew in age and height and character, if that never happened, there's something wrong. And I wonder what God's thinking about Christians saved long long time, children, babies. Don't you wonder? Christians are supposed to grow. Christians are supposed to mature. Christians are supposed to be settled in the faith. That's what God's looking for. And so He says, "Add, add to your faith." Uh, Diligence, add to your faith. Virtue, virtue, knowledge. He says adding, adding, keep multiplying the great need for spiritual growth. And then Peter says in verse 8, essentially he's saying spiritual growth brings joy, security, and assurance. Look at verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of, our, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He that lacks these things is blind, short-sighted, and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged with his old ways. Only you can answer that for yourself. Is that true of you? Is it true of me? What's wrong? What's, what's going on? If you have eyes to see, and I'm, I'm kind of... I'm in this kind of shrouded area of life now. But if look what's happening to Christianity. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. Why? Because they're not growing. They're not looking at the word of God. They're settled, complacent, rather than moving forward and growing in Christ and following the word of God instead of feelings and emotion. Now in verse 12, Peter wants to remind his uh, readers Verse 12, wherefore I will not be uh, negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Peter just wants to remind believers, and that's why I'm here this morning. I just want to remind you, you probably know these things. I understand that. Say, oh, he's on that again. I read that a hundred times. That's fine, but we need to be reminded. I always need to be reminded about God's word. I just want to remind you of this. Why? Why did he want to remind them? Verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to always put you in remembrance of these things. Verse 13, I think it's fitting, as long as I am in this body, a tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Why why are you saying that, Peter? Knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Peter knew his time was short. The Lord even told him, someday someone's going to take you away and take you where you don't want to go. That would be death. That would be death. Please listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. Your time is short. Your life is even as a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I remind myself of this constantly. I won't have you turn there, but the 90th Psalm The days of our life are three score and ten, that's 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score, that's 80. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Well, you might be a young person here and saying, oh, you know, you're just an old geezer. No wonder you're talking like that. Well, you may think that, but listen, I remember, I remember the first time I saw Nancy, just like it was yesterday, I remember her coming around a cash register. I was a bag boy, and it's the first time you ever saw Oh, I was smitten. <laughs> smitten. I used to chase all the other little bag boys away so I could sit at her cash register and bag her stuff. And then she bagged me, obviously. But uh, Listen, it was like yesterday. That was 53 years ago. And it was like yesterday. And someday you'll sit back. Someday you'll sit back, and uh, if the Lord tarries, and you'll say, where did it go? You know what's the worst part of it? When you say, I wasted it. I wasted it. It's going to happen to you. It it happened to me. Think it through. It's time. It's time. Listen, I'm at the end of my military career. (laughs) I'm a soldier, and I'm going to fade away. I know that. But I need to give this time now, the time I have while I'm here on earth. I, I need to give it to the Lord so he can use me. But you also need to realize it's not in your strength. It's not you. It's not what you have, how great you are, how bright you are, how handsome you are. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with God's strength. Let's look at that for a minute. Keep your hand here. We're coming back. Second, Chronic- Second uh, Sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We need to war while we're here. We need to battle while we're here. We need to make sure in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that I'm submitted to the Lord and His word so that He can work through me. It's not me. It's Him. It's not about you. It's all about Him. All you are to do is submit yourself to that. Look at Second Corinthians 10 uh, and let's start in verse 3. I'm, take, I'm Removing this out, of, I'm not removing it from the context, but we'll go right into the context of it. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, and in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You know, It's like you're going to bite someone or kick them in the knee. That's not what it's talking about. Notice he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons, the weapons of our warfare, they're not Physical, they're spiritual. And it pulls down strongholds. The mightiest man in the world cannot sustain under the conviction of the Word of God. It will break him just like it breaks everyone else. It casts down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God's Word is powerful. It convicts Christians, it convicts unsaved people. God's word is excessively powerful, and we need to submit to that. So it's the word of God, that dynamic ability of the word of God. And that's what I want to focus on just for the few minutes we have together. The power of the word of God. Head back with me to 2 Peter again, please. Back to 2 Peter again. The power of the word of God. You say, I've heard that before. Okay, then just listen for a minute if you would. Just listen for for a minute. Now, Peter is letting us know that he was there. In my lifetime, I've had a lot of opportunity to to be on scene, uh, in in New England particularly, um, and in in, uh, a lot of churches that I was very familiar with, fellowship with. Had, had partnerships with uh, I, I've been familiar, and, and every once in a while, someone will say to me, even to this day, they don't say it much anymore, because they kind of know where I stand, so, but they'll say it, even to this day, but you know they did this and they did that. Well, wait a minute, I was there. I was there. I was at that meeting. Don't you tell me that's what they did? I was there. I was an eyewitness of what went on. And that's what Peter's saying. Look, if you would, please, at verse 15. Moreover, I would endeavor that you might be able, after my departure, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed uh, cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You could not say anything about the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter said. I was there. I saw it. I was part of it. You're not going to give me any new information, sir. Look at verse uh, uh, 17. For For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came a voice from him from the excellent glory. We were there when God the Father spoke to him from glory. We were right there. And what did God the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Peter says, I, I was there, I saw it all. You say, well, how do you beat that? Peter said, let me tell you how you beat it. Verse 19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. What? More sure than seeing the, 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 uh, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? More sure than a, a, a vision of him and hearing From heaven? More sure than that? Oh, yes, Peter said. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Now, what was that word? Look at this. Look at verses 20 and 21. Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not at any time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying, listen, the vision was wonderful. Uh, The voice was great. But you have within your hands the mind of Christ in print. You have the Bible in your hands. You have the very Word of God. Everything God wanted you to know is there. Isn't it true? course it is, whether you believe it or not. It's true. Why? Because God said it was. You've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's right here. It's contained within this book. And so so interesting, so important to this is verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is any private interpretation. You know what that means? That means that you can understand it as well as I can. That means through study, the Word of God and the illumination of the Spirit of God who is in you, you can understand the Word of God. You can understand the Word of God. There's nothing deeper, hidden. I'm going to tell you just a quick story. I was in Maine. I was in my early 30s. My first pastorate was in Maine. And Nancy and I went there. We had 2.7 children. Oh, we were wonderful people. They really loved us. So we were there, and one of the first things I taught, and I don't remember why I got into this, but I got into it nonetheless, was, uh, I won't have you turn there, but in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20 and verses 19 and following, God told Israel, when you get into the land of Israel, when you do the second law, just before they're getting ready to go in and take the land, they've come out of Egypt, you know that story, God said, when you go in to take the land, don't cut down the fruit trees. Don't cut down the fruit trees. And he goes on to explain that. And I said, that's what God said, what he said, and he meant what he said, and that it. ends it. And after that, some older guy came up to me. Now, I'm in my 30s. He's probably in his 50s. I don't know. He looked like he knew something till he opened his mouth, and then I figured out he didn't. But um, he came over and, with sad eyes. You know how they do that, you poor, poor person? He said, you know, there's a deeper meaning to that. There is. Oh yeah, it's much deeper than that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ was coming and he would be cut off and you wouldn't be able to bear fruit. Whoa, that's deep, isn't it? Except God said, when you go into the land, you're going to need the fruit. God said what he meant and meant exactly what he said. He warned the nation of Israel, when you get in the land, don't cut down the fruit trees, read it in context because you're going to need the fruit. That's what God said. And so there are people out there with all these dreams of a deeper. This is much deeper than that. Listen, God said it. God said you could understand it. Just read it. Believe it. Read it in its context and believe it. You hear guys say, like, God spoke to me. And I always ask them, when they say that to me at least, I always, well, what did he say? If they tell me I was reading God's Word and God's Word just gave me strength, illuminated my heart to understand it, well, that's great. But if they think they heard a voice, there's a huge, huge problem. A massive problem. Why? Because God said His Word is completed and He says it isn't. He says He has new information that I can't have, I don't have. Oh, wait a minute, He's going to tell me about it after the offering. No, no, no. There's no deeper, more significant meaning than what God said. God said what he meant and meant exactly what he said. And you say, well, I don't completely understand that. Then keep reading. Keep reading. You'll understand it. Why? Because God said it, and God said you can understand it. God said you can know that. I had a friend of mine. He used to be a friend of mine. Uh, but he came back from seminary, which don't ask me which seminary. I wouldn't send anyone to that seminary. But he came back from seminary and. Uh, He taught a class one time that I was in. And when he taught the class, I think the pastor was upset after a while too, but when he taught the class, he said, he read a passage, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. He says, I want to give you five reasons why this doesn't mean what it says. What? Five reasons why it doesn't mean what it says? Then what does it mean? Then what can I trust? When God says you must be born again, does that really mean that? When God says you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, does it really mean that? Or is there some kind of deeper thought? There is not, folks. God clearly gave you his word so that you can clearly understand it so that you can do it and not sit like a bump on a log. That's what God gave us. He's given us all things, everything that pertains unto life and godliness. God's word can wash through. We read that. It's cleansing. God's word is cleansing. For example, uh, God gave his word to the church for the washing of water by the word of God. Uh, God saved us with the washing of regeneration, that cleansing of the word of God. Uh, His his word, we read in Acts 13, it's the word of salvation. Uh, We've been washed from our sins, the scripture tells us. Think about that washing. God's word is cleansing. It's not confusing, it's cleansing. It washes away that, that filth of the flesh, the scriptures tell us. Head with me to a passage you know so well. Head with me to Hebrews chapter 4. The dynamic ability of the word of God. God says that his word works. It's sufficient and it works. You know this passage, uh, but look at it with me for a moment, please. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's like a scalpel of God's word. It's a scalpel, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a scalpel, it's powerful, it's like uh, the word dunamis, dynamite in the heart of individuals. It piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you're like me, you, you, some people you meet and you think, this will never work in their life. They're so hard-hearted, they're so thick, they're so, they're so demonic in their thinking. No, God says, don't worry about that. My word can, my word can do that. My word can handle that. My word can convict. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why I'm so interested. Listen, my son in law is the pastor here. I love him with all my heart. But if he didn't teach the word, I would not come here. I'm telling you the truth. If he didn't teach the Bible, I would not come here. Why? I need the scriptures, I need God's word. I need to hear what God said. I need to know what God meant by what he said. I need to study along with him. I need to apply that to my life. Don't you? Don't you? Let's put it in practical terms. I'm going to borrow this from a friend of mine who's home with the Lord. Suppose now you need surgery. It's very sophisticated, very, very uh, intense surgery. You need it. And so you're waiting in the hospital, and your doctor comes in the surgeon, and he says unto you, listen, um, I want you to know I love you, and I care so much about you, and I, I never, I never really studied in school, anatomy was not my favorite subject, and I'm not familiar with a lot of the modern things that go on, but I want you to know I love you, so let's get in there and open them up, you know what I'd say? Get me out of here. I want a surgeon who knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. I want someone that's a student. Say, oh, oh." But when it comes to Christianity, some Christians just turn themselves over to every unstudied person who just has a feeling God spoke to them along the way. When we were in Maine, uh, a, a woman came in, a visitor, and you know how it was good to see her. We're glad. You know, we were a little church, and we were hoping people would come in, and they did, and we were wonderful. This woman came in, and so she met me, and I talked to her. She's oh, you're so wonderful. I've heard some of your tapes. And said, oh, great, thank you. Well, service is going to begin. So I had her sit with Nancy. <laughs> Poor Nancy. She got stuck in. Uh, the lady came in, and she said she told Nancy that I was one of the most wonderful people she had ever heard though so, well, that's great. You know, it kind of lifts you up a little. I'm taller than I am now, you know. And uh, she said to Nancy that when she heard me speak, her feet floated off the floor. I was glad I wasn't there. Nancy was there with her. And I, I don't know all her But her feet floated off the floor. Where do you find that? In the scriptures? It's the gift of feet? What is it? What is it? But see, she was so caught up emotionally, she wasn't thinking rationally. She wasn't thinking biblically. She didn't see that had nothing to do with God's word. And unfortunately today, that's what a lot of Christians do. They're thinking rationally, emotionally. It grabs a hold of them. And in in reality, they become like Peter. Remember what happened to Peter when he was among the wicked in Sodom? Remember what happened? being there daily, what did it do? It infected his mind. And that can happen to Christians who are not fixed on the word of God, who do not make God's word the priority in their life. When you're not fixed upon God's word, you can become tainted, contaminated by the thinking of some, even some Christians that don't know what they're talking about. That's why we want to always be fixed on the word of God, particularly in this place, do we not? I want to be fixed on the word of God, particularly what I'm listening to out there. Well, he's a nice guy. I know he has a few things off. Then don't listen. Don't don't listen to that. You don't want some of those little things to leaven the whole lump. Be careful. Be careful. And so the word of God is powerful. It's sharper. God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we want to keep our mind fixed upon that. Well, people say, well, you know, you know, the world, it's dead in its trespasses and sins. It is, isn't it? That's what God's word says. I know someone that can handle that, don't you? Huh? Lazarus, come forth. He can handle the dead, can he? He can handle unsaved people. He can handle the dead. How does he do it? Through his word. Through his revealed truth. Paul called the word of God in Philippians 2 and verse 16, he called it the words of life. Isn't that a great term? The words of life. These are the words of life, Paul told the church. They're the words to live by. They're the words we have been living by, Paul says, and it's the words we need to continue to live by. God's word is powerful. Peter told the church, and we'll go there in just a minute. Why don't we go there now? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 Peter's letting the church know, encouraging these people. Remember who's killing them? Nero and all of the vile people that surround him. I don't know why, but I was um, recently looking at something, um, and it had to do with uh, what happened uh, during World War II among uh, the Germans and the Japanese particularly. And a lot of these men that were in higher ranks, not not the privates, the, who were in the higher ranks, the SS in higher ranks in, in uh, Japan as well, uh, they were uh, overcome by leaders that just had them doing things that were unimaginable. Uh, you know, of course, about the Jewish people in, in Japan with the Filipino people and other... Uh, just unimaginable things. And, and when they were on trial for these, they, one of the constant quotes was, uh, we, we just were overcome in one way or another. We were overcome. We listened to a leader, and he had such vitality, and he had such uh, power and magnetism to him that we just followed his orders. Can you just imagine that? Well, God's word says it will work through that. It burns through that. It, it, it pushes through that. And Peter says, uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Can those people be saved? These horrible, butcherous, murderous people, could they be saved? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, Peter says this, that you're born again, not from corruptible seed. It doesn't matter what family you were born in, what household you were born in, nor of incorruptible seed, it, it wasn't your family, necessarily. It wasn't where you were born, when you were born, who you were born to. None of that. How were you born again? How are you given new life? It's by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. So you, in your hand, you have that dynamic ability that can break through and blow through anything that a person has in their mind just by what? Giving them the word of God. Again, it's not you. It's not your might, it's not your strength, it's not your power. Uh, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. You give someone the word of God and it will never, ever leave them. It won't, it can't. Why? Because God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Remember, I won't have you turn there for the sake of time. But remember in Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah was sent to a people, God said, no matter what you say, they're fixed on what they're going to do. No matter what you say, they're fixed on what they're going to do. So you go in there and you tell them. And of course, there were people in Israel that did believe Jeremiah's message. We have that. But God said, you go in and you tell them, and don't let down. Remember, Jeremiah got the scars. Oh, Lord, if I say this, they hate me. When I say this, they hate me. They even put me in the sword. They just hate me. They completely hate me. And God says, is not my word like a fire, like a hammer that smashes the rock in pieces? See, it's, it's the power of God's word. It's not you. Jeremiah gave up. And then he said, well, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. But God's word was in me like a burning fire. <clears throat> yeah, he said so. He said so. And that should be the same for you and I. God's word is in us <clears throat> like a burning fire, prepared, prepared to, to work. Well, then we could say, well, isn't, you know, Satan is working in this world today. Satan is very, very powerful. Satan can, can blind minds. We read that, of course, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded their minds. Well, is that impossible to deal with? Is it over? I know someone who can open blind eyes, don't you? Physically and spiritually. Remember when Satan came against him and offered him the kingdoms of this world? Be gone, Satan, for it is written. How did God answer him? With the word of God. Christ himself answered Satan with the word of God. How are you going to answer How are you going to answer? Well, it's got to be with the word of God. It's always got to be. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but spiritual. The word of God breaking through, breaking through that. And so we give them the word of God. Remember Paul's commission? Head with me to Acts chapter 26. Paul's commission by the Lord, and Paul is rehearsing this before the governors of Rome. We're in Acts chapter 26. And I'd like you to look with me, please, at verse, Paul is rehearsing, of course, in Acts 26, verses 14, and, uh, I mean, 15 and following, <clears throat> Acts 26, uh, 15, Paul is rehearsing what happened to him on the Damascus road. And he said, uh, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, Acts twenty-six fifteen, <clears throat> whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for a purpose to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and those things which I will appear unto thee. In other words, I want you to, you're an eyewitness of what went on here, what went on prior to this. Remember, he was the one that held the clothes of the Christians. People were torturing, particularly um, back in the early part of the book of Acts, Stephen himself So I'm going to to cause you to grow, Paul, and I'm going to use you. Well, what are you going to use me for? Look at verse uh, uh, 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send thee. For what purpose? To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. For what purpose, Paul? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them who are sanctified by faith that is in me. I'm sending you, to, you, you can, by my word, by those things recorded for you, you'll open blind eyes. You'll turn them from the power of Satan unto God. That's, that's going to be your commission. But I can hear it, can't you? But Paul, you know the sad eyes. But Paul, you don't understand. Felix lost the election, and Festus is now the president. And not only that, Bernice is in the mix. Did, you didn't get that, did you? But Paul, don't you understand? We're in a mess. Yeah, I know I'm in a mess. And I'm actually bound. And I won't have you go there, but Second 2 Timothy 2. I'm bound in prison. But what? God's word is not bound. You see? It doesn't matter who's in charge, who's doing what. God's word is more powerful than all of it. It has always been more powerful and will forever be more powerful. And there's nothing hidden deep somewhere. Just read it. Read it again. And I don't understand it completely. Read it again. Sometimes there's keys. Uh, Let me just remind you of this, if I could, please. When you're studying the Word of God, sometimes you're going to bump into some things that are hard. Like uh, Peter said of Paul's Word, hard to be understood. That's going to happen to you. But you know what? As you continue reading, as God continues his progressive revelation in the scriptures, you bump into the answer. Here's the end. That's it. That's it. For 20 years I've been wondering, what, what's this about? It's not that I don't believe it. It's just I don't completely understand it. And when you're reading, you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some Christians at early ages give up. It's all too hard. I don't understand it. It's difficult. It doesn't match up with the times we live in. As if the times we live in are getting better. Remember what Paul said? That false teachers seduces. Evil men shall wax, what? Worse and worse. The information you're getting today is not better. It's worse than it's ever been. And unless you're fixed upon the word of God, grounded, solidified on the word of God, those things will toss you to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Don't don't allow that. Be fixed on the, the word of God. So Paul, even though Felix lost the election and Festus is now in charge and Benice is in the mix, all hope is not lost. We are not doomed. Paul says, God's word is never bound. Don't worry about that. Okay, how about, I've been serving the Lord my whole life and I've given my whole life to the Lord. What's up? What's going to happen to me? Well, you know what's going to happen? You're going to die. Unless the Lord returns, one day you're going to die. I'm just young. It doesn't matter. When God's prepared to take you, that's when you are going to die. Then what? Then comes the judgment. You're going to stand before the Lord and give account for the things done in your body. Well, God, I, I wanted to, but you see, I was so busy with life then you're too busy. Then you're too busy with life. Well, God, I wanted to, but you, we needed to have. No, you didn't necessarily need to have. I, I could have taken care of that. You chose to neglect my word to have things that do not last. You chose something different. And so one day we're going to stand before the Lord. Well, what about that guy over there? He seems to get all the recognition. He seems to get all of the glory for everything. What about that guy over there? No, Paul says, I won't have you turn there, but in 1 Corinthians, God says, every man, 1 Corinthians 3, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Who knows, God? Every one of us are going to stand before the Lord. And God says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that I will make everything clear. I'll make everything clear. Everything will be cleared up. It's not clear here because we can't see, we don't know, we can't judge motives. It's very difficult for us. But God says he will make all things clear. He, he, He knows. How does he say that? He says that in his word. He's prepared to make all things clear. So every one of us will give account. God is not unrighteous. No matter what you do to serve the Lord, no matter what it is, it should be here in your local assembly, outside of your local assembly, obviously, but our focus should be here. No matter what you do to serve the Lord, even though it's unnoticed by anyone, no one knows that, but no matter what you do, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward Him. Isn't that great? It's great. When I'm serving the Lord, no matter what it is, no matter whether someone saw me or didn't see me, as long as it's scripturally based, as long as it's biblically uh, inerrant as far as serving him, I want to make sure that I'm doing that. Why? Because God is that rewarder. But here's a warning, and I'll close with a warning. We shouldn't, you shouldn't close with a warning. You, you close, you're supposed to close upbeat. And I, I, I want to do that, but we need to be careful with this. Why? Make sure all that you're doing is to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the most important. Make sure I serve the Lord, but who, to whose glory are you serving? Is it yours or is it his? And then make sure you're not doing it to be seen by men. so People look at you and say, what a nice guy you are. You, you know you're not. You, you know, in Christ you are, but <laughs> outside of that, you're not such a great, great person sometimes. So make sure you're not doing to be seen by men, and make sure you're doing God's work by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, and you're not doing for a, a purpose of bragging. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, the Scriptures say. <laughs> be careful, be sober-minded. Make sure you're serving the Lord. Why, the time is short? Make sure you're serving the Lord, even though you may live another 50 years like me. After that, the process starts. Why? Because God has designed things that way. So make sure you're not boasting. Why? Because God says you can lose your reward. The minute you brag about anything you've accomplished, you're not getting a reward for that. Say, but I I think I'm wonderful. You think so. And God thinks you're wonderful, but those things you did were for your own glory and not His. So, Peter gives us some interesting facts, some wonderful facts. And I'm so thankful for God's word. I'm thankful it's taught here. That's why my wife and I come here. And I'm just praying, and I want to support our pastor and our elders and the teams that are here serving the Lord. contributing to God's work at this place, I want to make sure that continues. How? By my support. Physically and financially and spiritually and prayerfully. That's our duty as a church. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your revealed truth. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can depend upon your word working through our pastor, through the elders, through the men of this church and the ladies who support and, and who, who teach. Uh, Father, we thank you for these people. And we know, Lord, uh, this will continue as long as the church continues. But, Father, you want us to support you, uh, support them, to encourage them to, to come out and be with them and uh, to to uh, to hear from what God says through them. Father, we thank you that... All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete. Help us to be completed as we're here in the process of that and completely complete when we get to glory with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.